Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does its better. And welcome to week three of our Halloween countdown King versus King. In the red corner, it's a dog day afternoon for a mother and son as they find themselves at the mercy of Beethoven, who's not feeling himself after a nasty nick by a rabid bat. Can the adulterous mum save her kid and avoid being dinner for this former pedigree chum? From 1983, we're dog sitting for Cujo. Right. Uh, you pull while I push. Oh, I can't get it. Pull. <laughs> while in the blue corner, some men just will not listen. After Lewis Creed is repeatedly told not to bury people in an ancient burial ground, informed of stories about a dog going nuts, also look at the state of your cat, mate. Plus, we had to burn the last person we buried there. There isn't a day that goes by that Lewis isn't hauling another deceased family member up there with disastrous results. From 1989, we're visiting the Pet Cemetery. What is this place? I brought you here to bury Alan's cat. Daddy, is church all right? Why, Judge? I have Marines. I dreamed he got hit by a car and you and Mr. Crandall buried him in the pet cemetery. What did we do tonight, Judge? What we did, Lois, was a secret. So what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. I got this terrific husband and this terrific kid, and here I am screwing around with the local stud. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. <laughs> How are you both? Yeah, I'm all right. 
Do you not like my intro? You know, I did like it. I just, I, I didn't realise you'd be so hung up on what Donna gets up to. Oh, well, just wait till my intro. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was fair. I was stating a fact. Yes, true. I wasn't offering opinion. She does step outside her marriage. She does step outside her marriage. <laughs> that is what adulterous means. I didn't say it was bad. I didn't say she was to blame. I just said... Adulterous mum. That's, that's my job. <laughs> adulterous mum. Oh, it's like something in a newspaper. Yeah, yeah. Adulterous mum gets killed and deserves it. <laughs> now, now that's not what I'm saying. Stop spoiling my introduction. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, so are you, are you both good? Yes, we always established that. All right, because yeah. uh, we are going to the theatre uh, after this show. We're going to go see The Shark is Broken. Yep. The play, Ian Shaw, plays his father, Robert Shaw, in it about the making of Jaws. And clearly, two of us did not dress up. I know! That was such a twat! (laughs) (laughs) You've not even tried a little bit. Your T-shirt is worse than usual, frankly. You're wearing your usual ensemble of whatever fucking T-shirt happened to be on the floor. (laughs) Do you want to borrow some earrings or something, please? If anything, this was a roundabout way of saying how glamorous you look this evening. I do, don't I? Maybe Mm. I should sit next to someone else when we get there. I have a nice shirt. I have a nice shirt out there, but because it's so hot in in here, I wear a T-shirt. Oh, so you're going to get changed? Oh, okay. You should have said you let me slag you off. Are you getting changed? I'm going to put a baseball hat on. Oh, that's worse. Quint wears a baseball hat. It's, (laughs) if anything... No, it's not your fault. Just any excuse if we're going anywhere, Mm. let's just put everything on. Because I haven't been out for a while. You you look lovely. Thanks. You look like an adulterous (laughs) mum. If only. (laughs) Uh, Right then. So, it is Cujo versus Pet Cemetery, the 1989 version. These were victorious choices. Why? I'm thinking about getting a St. Bernard. No, I'm not. Of course you're not. No. Um, Unless you need a coat. (laughs) (laughs) I did used to like St. Bernard's. I would never have one. Um, No. As a coat. I've only ever seen, there's one that walks in um, Highgate Woods near me. Just massive. They're too big. Just where would you, you you have to own a big house. Yeah. No, I picked them because uh, we're doing, I don't know if anyone's noticed, Mm. King versus King. These two match up quite nicely. They are two of the more... mm, They've got sort of, well, actually not Pet Cemetery, fuck, actually, that's not true, but Cujo has got less serious themes than some of the ones we've been dealing with, so I thought it would be quite a nice I agree. change of pace. I agree. These are sort of, schlocky's not the right word, but they are more fun yes. than, uh, than say, for Pet example. Cemetery tries to deal with more serious things, but it's still loads of fun. Yeah. But Cujo doesn't really deal with anything, apart from adultery, I suppose, but yeah, yeah. depends how you feel about that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, no, we don't know. No one has an opinion on it yet. (laughs) We've only stated facts. Uh, Yes, as Vicky said, it is the penultimate week of our world-famous Halloween countdown month here on Clash Pod. And this year, to get us ready for the greatest night of the year, we are celebrating the master of horror. As every week, we're going to be pitting a Stephen King adaptation against a Stephen King adaptation. It's a month of King versus King. So the clue you gave for this pairing last week, Victoria, was... Uh, Creature discomforts. Is correct. And the clue you didn't give on Twitter was, Chris... Stephen King. Yep, that's correct, because it's... It's too easy, as this is about to prove, because we're on Twitter at ClashPod and Instagram at ClashPod, and the guesses came banding over. Dan Cummings, Venkman stance. Tim Wilkins actually got it wrong. He said it versus Cujo, but there's a point I'm saying this, and I'm quoting here, his good lady Heidi did get it right. Also, I am Grout, Foob, Gemma Page, Richard Cartwright, and Ben, just Ben, we're all dog meat because the winner this week, 
two weeks in a row. Well done again, Robert Farley. Oh, lovely. Mm, sing Hosanna. He's the king of king. Remember the hymn at school? Did you? Yeah. I went to a CV saying Hosanna, saying Hosanna. Well, no, but he's the king of king because mm. it's a king month and he's... Oh, God, sorry. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Jeez. What are the ingredients <laughs> in your makeup? Are they damaging your brain? They're not because they're all natural, aren't they? <laughs> they are natural. They were extracted from the ground by children, but they are natural. That's oh, fine. That's fine. Uh, so congratulations, Robert Farley. Your prize is dog-sitting my whippet, Simon, who was bitten by a diseased bat and buried in an ancient burial ground. It's been quite a week. Play nice, both of you. Connection section, what you got? Well, going for what you just said, evil beneath the ground. Mm. Uh, your wife has got short hair. Your child has got blonde hair. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wives have got short hair and it's quite unusual. All right. All right. If we're going for the idiotic, <laughs> then uh, wild animals running through the shot at the start a rabbit in Cujo and a skunk in. Oh, yeah. Pet An unexpected skunk. Mm. Uh, there's a character called Vic in both of them. So the dad in Cujo is called Vic, isn't he? <laughs> okay. And the dead person in Pet Cemetery who gets hit by a truck is called Victor. Oh, yeah. Victor yeah. Pasco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And both films conveniently get the family out of the picture for the exact amount of time necessary yes. to tell the story. I've got that also. <laughs> Partners go away. Uh, bad, bloody-faced dogs, Cujo and Spot, the yeah. reincarnated dog in Pet Cemetery. And I think Judd in Pet Cemetery mentions Cujo. That's the big one, isn't it? Oh, does he? He says there was a rabid dog. And I think, I think, I don't think he gets mentioned by name in the book, but I think there is also a mention of a rabid dog that killed the exact amount of people that Cujo kills. That's so, in the book, though, isn't it? That is in the book. I'm sure Judd says there was a rabid dog. I don't know. I don't pick up on that. Okay. Seems like something I'd have picked up on. Really? Yeah, probably, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I must be wrong then. Uh, killing evil animals. Uh, Cujo yeah. and Church both get murdered. Yes. Uh, is, is Church evil? Yeah. Just got shiny eyes, as far as I can tell. I mean, this is a bit. We'll get on to this next week because it's very difficult to know if a cat is a dick sure. just because it's a cat <laughs> yeah, I'll buy that. or it is actually evil. Yeah. Uh, both films end with a husband and wife embracing. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. That'll do. That'll do. Short hair and blonde. Interesting. Uh, so on Thursday, I'm going to show you how to bring your dead pets back to life so your kids don't ever need to understand death, which means today Chris has locked himself in a car because he's scared of a big friendly St. Bernard. Chris takes on a journey. Cujo is the story of Donna, who has a handsome, successful husband and a cute, loving son. However, in spite of her idyllic family life, she decides to have an affair. So the universe punishes Donna by setting a rabid St Bernard called Cujo on her. And while trapped by that dog in her clapped-out car, it looks like Donna will die, either by dehydration, heat exhaustion, or between Cujo's jaws. But don't forget, cheating comes easily to Donna, so she manages to cheat death. And there's some irony in her survival, as it was a bat that poisoned Cujo in the first place and a bat that takes him down at the end. The end. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Did you not like the fact that she's good at cheating? Uh, are you hung up on it because she I'm just not seems hung to... up on anything? I'm doing a funny intro. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> just because she seems to have everything, and she's not. He's a, uh, her husband is a nice person, so it is a surprise that she's having an affair. Mm. It's um, interesting. You don't see that very often. No, do you? it makes it interesting drama. Yeah. So when did you first see Cujo, Vicky? 
about two, two days ago. Understood, Alex. <laughs> about two days yeah, ago. Fine, yeah, fine. But I've, I've, I'm, I've, I think I have a reason because I was terrified of dogs. I think I've told you this before. I was terrified of dogs as a kid, and I, I still have a scar from where a Doberman set a cross called Caspian that lived next door. Um, it was, it was one of those dogs that. You know, people who shouldn't own big dogs. Like, it was an elderly woman who, like, never took it for a walk. So it was always at the window watching kids playing in the street going, I'll fucking get you one day. <laughs> and sure enough, I was the unlucky kid who came out of his garden gate when it wasn't on the lead. And it went, hey, big Ooh. day for me. And just ran at me and bit me and clawed at me. And I wet myself. Only time I've spontaneously wet myself. And, uh, yeah, and so I was terrified of dogs. So I think my mum potentially may have... Made the decision good to, thing. Yeah. yeah, sort of on this, this might damage. Not I'm not scared you. of dogs anymore, obviously. Simon pulled a knife on me the other day. And I was just like, <laughs> I don't care. I'm quite scared of dogs because I'm not accustomed to them. Even now? A little bit. I'm not scared of Simon, but if I got really, say I got really stormed at your house and paranoid, I would be terrified <laughs> of Simon. He's too big. So. <laughs> if you get really stoned at someone's house, you're scared of the fucking Teletubbies. <laughs> like, getting stoned makes you paranoid. Also, when we first moved into our flat, we, oh, I told you about Morris the cat that we adopted and we sent back because Morris was evil. <laughs> and I was really sleep deprived because Morris was like three weeks old. And Morris was a biter and he just went for Mark and he just like put a hole in his jeans and tried to go for me when I was feeding the baby and I was like well, this is a hell cat and so after that I've been a bit nervous around cats as well you've but got I've got a cat, a cat now got she's, got yeah, cat. she's lovely she's, we're getting she's... to the root of why you hate animals mm. I don't hate animals okay. I really we'll, 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 we'll see we'll see as this show progresses <laughs> is that real leopard oh well yeah but it's cold outside <laughs> right. so be fair Okay, okay. I, I saw Cujo about five years ago because I'd never watched it before because I thought it sounded rubbish and then someone told me it's actually quite good and then I watched it and thought yeah so that's that. A nice review. <laughs> Let's do the film. Sure. Uh, so let me tell you a story again. Uh, one day, author Stephen King took his motorcycle for repairs at a backwards mechanic. And while waiting for his hog to be fixed, he came face to face with the mechanic St. Bernard. He asked if he could pet the dog and was told that was fine because the dog was friendly. Then the St. Bernard nearly took Stephen King's hand off. And so an idea started rolling around his brain, which... I found a lot in researching these Stephen King books. Mm. It all seems to come from somewhere in real life. Oh, yeah, wait till we get onto Pet Cemetery. Yeah, well, that's a laundry <laughs> list, isn't it, really? Um, so the interesting thing about this uh, book is that it was written during the period when he would put cotton swabs up his nose uh, because of his cocaine addiction and the blood that would come out of them. Oh, I thought you meant they were like dipped in cold and it got <laughs> you up there quicker. <laughs> So it makes it all the more remarkable, I think, that it ended up being one of his most acclaimed books. Don't you think? Haven't got time to do <laughs> Literally, I, I cannot look down so to, a, right now. to a flat surface. And just, just put it on that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is what he said about Cujo in On Writing, which we talk about a lot on this podcast, but his book about writing called On Writing, he said, there's one novel that I barely remember writing at all. I don't say that with pride or shame, only with a vague sense of sorrow and loss. I like that book. And I wish I could remember enjoying the good parts as I put them down on the page. Have you read it? Cujo. Mm. No. Me? No. no. I, I, I haven't either. But I read a few things around it, which sounded quite interesting. I actually think perhaps I might like the book. I'm going to read it better mm. than the film because this whole idea of Cujo actually being the reincarnation of a serial killer. And that's why he's so evil. Oh, okay. Like a bit like, I guess, Chucky in Child's Play. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but. 
Well, I think what's interesting about it, I don't think there's chapter breaks. I think it's written by a man who's clearly on cocaine. Because or in it a just, rush. Yeah, it yeah. just goes. <laughs> it's not the same thing. I've got to get it done. <laughs> and, and, and give me all swabs. Quite a lot of the book, you, it's Cujo's point of view. You're in his head and you can hear his thoughts. Which is <laughs> cute. Uh, which is him Hungry. not wanting to be a bad dog. He's a good dog who doesn't want to be a bad dog. It's the rabies that's got him. So mm. I'm confused how it connects with the murderous man. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that I don't understand. Reading around the book, there's also there's this idea that the monster in the closet that mm. young Tad believes is there is actually there is something evil in the closet. And you're yeah. like, how would that fit with any other part of this story? I'm glad they cut all that stuff out, mm. uh, and we'll get onto that. But the um, being Stephen King, the book was immediately optioned, and and like The Shining, King supposedly wrote an adaptation that wasn't used but which I want to talk about at the end of this discussion because I'm not sure that's true. But the actual script was co-written by Barbara Turner, who, pointless trivia alert, was Jennifer Jason Lee's mum. Oh, <laughs> yep. Hello. Pointless. Um, <laughs> well, you haven't had some Tilly trivia for a while and I'm starting to Are we see renaming it? Pointless trivia. <laughs> I can't call it Tilly trivia. You can. Uh, so they needed a director. Uh, Andy has. <laughs> they needed to find a director and Stephen King liked a film called Alligator. So suggested that director, Lewis Teague. Alex, tell us about Alligator. Alligator is such an amazing film that we cannot get here in the UK at the moment. But the minute it comes on streaming service, as we are doing with obviously Lake Placid. Thank you very oh, much. Yeah. yeah, so you love that one, don't you? I do. I th- if you have you seen Alligator? No. no. Oh, it's it's just a really great film. Okay. Or we're doing it with Jackie Brown. Why is that? Isn't Robert Forster yeah, the lead? Is, yeah. Uh, in Quentin Tarantino's mind, that the character Robert Forster plays in Jackie Brown is the same character as the character in Alligator, just oh. a bit older. He's sort of so, continuing his story. Oh, we're doing it with Lake Placid then. <laughs> uh, but uh, although Stephen King wanted Lewis Teague, the studio wanted Peter Medak, who had recently finished a terrific horror film called The Changeling. Uh, then that studio backed out of the deal and the film went to Warner Brothers, but Medak stayed at the helm. However, at the very start of principal photography, things were going wrong. Um, they'd cast Dee Wallace in the lead, who was the go-to mum in Hollywood after E.T. Um, and Isn't this weird? I mean, we, we had Henry Thomas last week. Yeah. Now we've got Dee Wallace this week. We're going through all the scariest roles that E.T. <laughs> have ever done. But I was trying to find out what happened here because there was trouble on set. And I eventually found an interview with Dee Wallace where she said that Peter Menach wanted her to be in a see-through blouse without a bra while making breakfast in the kitchen. And she retorted that she's a mother in these scenes and it wasn't appropriate and argued that that wasn't what she'd signed up for. Um, And Wallace said those misunderstandings happened a lot in the first two days. (laughs) And so within 48 hours, Warner Brothers decided to get rid of Peter Medak and bought Lewis Teague on board. Uh, The studio gave him uh, one day to prep. Wow. Uh, He insisted on two days. And uh, they said, okay, and the deal was done. So, um, as Alex said, he eliminated a few subplots, including that supernatural element that existed in the kid's closet uh, and might be connected to to what Cujo ends up doing. So it's all pretty much based in reality, what we end up seeing. And what else have I got to say here? Uh, I mean, this isn't in the film, but it's sort of part of a shared universe with the dead zone. Um, So the the dead zone introduced um, uh, Sheriff George Bannerman, who we see in this film, he's the sheriff that gets, uh, he's the he's the officer that gets killed later on. Uh, but Lewis Teague decided to cut out all the sort of 
shared uh, shared uh, universe stuff and this inherent evil stuff um, that Alex mentioned as well. So all that was gone. Uh, they needed a dog though. Um, and Teague said the biggest challenge was making a St. Bernard scary because as he puts it, they are literally named after a saint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, you, so you've already said this. I, I've never met a St. Bernard, yeah. but I like him. And I was trying to figure out why. I thought it was because of Schnorbitz. Do you remember Schnorbitz? No. no. Bernie Winter's dog. He was on telly every Saturday in the 80s, in the early 80s. Don't remember him. But now you've said Beethoven. Beethoven's probably why I like it's St. Beethoven, Bernard. But surely it's uh, more than that. It's like, my God, the skier's been trapped in the avalanche. Yeah. Send the St. Bernard in with the whiskey and the little barrel round its I neck. Never saw, I never saw that happen. That, but <laughs> it's in the, hasn't that entered sort of the lexicon of like common culture, the yes. idea that a, a, a St. Bernard will venture out into the snow to rescue like people caught in avalanches. Yeah. And that's why we all think St. Bernards are great. Yeah. yeah. And Beethoven. And Beethoven. And Beethoven, yeah. <laughs> so they brought a Hollywood trainer in um, who said to them, find another breed of dog yeah, because you cannot train a St. Bernard <laughs> to do piss all. Um, but uh, the producers insisted. They said, we've got to have a St. Bernard. That's mm. the point of this story. And so uh, the trainer collected together a bunch of St. Bernards and they had different dogs to do different things and serve different functions on the set. And? And a mechanical <laughs> dog head. And, and Gary Morgan. <laughs> who was a man in a dog suit. <laughs> and uh, he's quite funny. I saw I saw quite a, a, an extensive interview with him about this. And he said that he was brought in to do the things that the dog was too smart to do, <laughs> <laughs> which was mainly bashing his head against a car door. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing. There's a couple of scenes that we'll get to where they used all those techniques within the same sequence. And it's really effective. But the problem is when you go through the film, as we will we'll see, there are scenes where the Cujo is meant to be terrifying and his tail is wagging. Yeah. He is having the best time. <laughs> yeah. And apparently, um, uh, Lewis Teague said, uh, actually, we, you know, it's a shame some of those made it in because quite often we would tie the dog's tail down with fishing wire to stop it wagging because it needed to look scary. You see at the start of one of the first scenes, you can see it tied down. Oh, can you? Yeah. You can see it tied down because tied he's... Tied to he's, what? To its leg? It's just, it's, yeah, yeah. Oh. Because he's trying to wag it. Okay. It sounds cruel, that's all. It sounds like it would hurt. I actually, I did, I did an animal check on Pet Cemetery. I haven't checked this one. Okay. Uh, I believe no animals were harmed during the making of this, but some humans were harmed, oh, which I'll get to at the end. It's pretty, it gets pretty dark, actually. <laughs> really dark. Great. Um, uh, let's get on to the movie then. Yeah. So we start with a bit of a prologue. Uh, cute bunny rabbit uh, being chased by a St. Bernard as music that sounds like it's from a Disney movie is mm. playing. I've seen it on purpose, though. I think it's sure. supposed to be. I think both these films do that because you've got the scene in the meadow in Pet Cemetery uh, where it's, it seems like a Disney movie mm. as well before something terrible happens. But this is good. This is where you realise, because obviously Jan de Bont's the cinematographer on this, and it looks great when you've got the POV shot of the dog mm. and the way the rabbit is being chased. I was like, this looks good. Yeah, uh, the dog chases the rabbit into a hole where there's a bunch of rabbit bats attack and bite poor Cujo um, and as I said as my connections I think this is a recurring motif in Stephen King is there's evil underground I think there's films we'll get to uh, later this month that have that and I think we've done films that have that so he's he's all about what's under the surface um Rabies. Mm. Do you remember being scared of rabies in yeah. the 80s? <laughs> yeah. So I spent this morning. You weren't allowed. This, oh, this makes me sound like Peter Kerr. This is ridiculous. If a dog came into the playground, did you not have to leave the playground? Is that an invented memory? Is that from actual Peter Kerr stand up? Because know. rabies was such a thing, teachers were like, get away from that dog. So for me, it was more going abroad that the rabid dogs were waiting for you. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You couldn't, I mean, you go to Spain, they're everywhere. That's re- what you were told. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember being in the vets. Um, a vet is a place where they look after animals, Vicky. Right. And um, 
so I was in the vets and they used to have these terrifying posters on the wall that were like, rabies, beware, beware rabies and pictures of dogs foaming at the mouth. So I was like, I guess it must have been a thing in the 80s. I looked it up. Apparently, rabies has been eradicated in the UK since the start of the 20th century. So mm. all those posters must have been what you're saying, yeah. foreign trips, yeah. like don't come back with rabies, please. Yeah. 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 Uh, so um, here's a quote from Stephen King uh, from the inside of the book, Cujo. He says he had always tried to be a good dog. He had been struck by something. Free will was no longer a factor. And so, again, this is Stephen King talking about the drink and the drugs and what they were doing to him, hitting the same metaphor that we dealt with in week one of this season with The Shining and week two via Misery. Um, what Now he's been bitten and he's got this poison in him. Cujo's no longer in control. Mm. He does go back to the same. I think it's a shame because I... I've never seen Cujo or read it, but I was aware of the reference and like and the name, and I knew it meant bad dog, like big scary mm. dog. I thought it was like a hell dog, and then once I was watching uh, Cujo stick his little head in the tree trunk, I was like, oh, I hope it's a portal to hell, and it wasn't. It was just a tree trunk with bats in it. And then when he got bitten on the nose, I was like, well, you're just a poorly dog. Like mm. I wanted you, I wanted him to be a dog from hell so that he would be vengeful, and then like, you could be happy when he got vanquished. Yeah. But he's just poorly. It's, it's a shame. You need it. to go away and write that then, Vicky. <laughs> That's not what oh, Stephen King wrote. A dog possessed by a serial killer. That does sound good. It does, doesn't it? Because yeah. I, I agree with you. It's just like... And it can check. So you'd let it in. You'd be like, oh, little dog, you mm. can come in. And then bang, it's yeah. a man in your house. Yeah, exactly. Because what it can pretend to be nice. It's like, hey, do you want me to... There's an avalanche coming. So good job I'm here. <laughs> Would you like some whiskey? Do you want some booze? Ahead of time. <laughs> it's a new way round of doing it. Normally we wait. But I'll give you it first. And then once he's in the house, he's like, got a knife. <laughs> yeah. And with the prologue out of the way, let's take a break. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And we're back. So the film now splits into two parts. Uh, the first part I'm calling the domestic drama. And so we meet Mum Donna and Dad Vic and little Tad, who's scared of monsters in his closet. It's because right. he's got to put himself to bed, the poor little monkey. He's only three or something. And he's got to do that leap across the room by himself. It's his parents' job to put a child to bed. Yeah. Well, he's made up that leap, though, that he's trying to get into bed before the light turns I off. I felt very sorry for him, poor thing. And also, fix that closet door. I know! It, if I was a kid <laughs> yeah. and my closet door creaked open... I've told you this before. The story in Night Shift, the boogeyman or bogeyman. We never we're, worked we're it unsure, out. We're yeah. unsure. We don't know. The boogie bogeyman. <laughs> um, <laughs> that story is all about a child-killing monster that hides in the closet and waits till the family are asleep and then comes out and kills the children. And it petrified me as a kid. And I'm totally on Tad's side. I'm like, Dad. Fix the fucking door. Fix the door. Please. Now. <laughs> it was, it, you mentioned, though, that, that run that he does from the light switch to the bed. They had two sets for that. They made a second set where it was much longer when he yeah. was having to run. So you felt like you were in his nightmare almost yeah, yeah, trying to good. make it to the bed. Very yeah. effective. Um, we meet Steve, the neighbour as well, who's a bit too familiar and seems to make himself at home in their house. And he's receiving strange looks from Donna, which we question at first. And then we realise it's because Donna is having an affair with Steve who appears to pull out a trombone after sex. <laughs> like, what yeah. would you do? I've written down here, what would you do if a bloke did that, Vicky? <laughs> I think I would end the affair. I think that would be it for me. I think that's a big start. I keep a kazoo by the bed. <laughs> <laughs> it just really... I have an oboe. <laughs> who keeps a trombone by their bed anyway? But definitely who plays a trombone in bed? I saw it as it... It was meant to, it juxtaposed her actual husband, who's like business, 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 ad campaign. We've got to fix this ad campaign yeah, with a really free-spirited man who was just like, hey, I'm just going to play some yeah. jazz, <laughs> some smooth jazz for you right now. Yeah, and, and there's sort of more to it. So um, D. Wallace, he's played by an actor called Chris Stone. And so D. Wallace and Chris Stone did the howling with producer Dan Blatt and they got engaged mm. around that time. Right, And so by the time this rolled around, uh, they were married to okay. each other those two actors. And so Dee Wallace read the script and they wanted her for the role, but this explicit, there was an explicit sex scene. She hadn't done one of those before. She didn't want to do a sex scene. And so she phoned Blatt, who she was friends with, and um, said, I'm not sure about this. And he said, look, we want to cast your husband in the role. So he'll be playing the part, but also we'll get rid of the nudity. So you won't have to do that. And so that sealed the deal. So that's how we ended up in, the, in bed with her in that scene. But she said it was quite weird, the pair of them on set, sort of pretending to have sex in front of strangers. Um, he, she said it was stranger than than kissing someone who you weren't with involved okay. with at home. And so um, she said it was like your mother sitting on the end of the bed while you're <laughs> doing it. But yeah, so he the trombone was his idea and it's because I, they couldn't stop laughing. That is very awkward, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Do not try that. <laughs> and so we see some awkwardness um, around... That's right. Am I doing this right? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what? 
Is this how you do it? Alex. Alex. I am very close with my mum. You are. You are. It's very sweet. It's very sweet. And now it's starting to turn my stomach. Um, we always said behind your back. Yeah, we there's did something. say that though. Yeah. There's something. There's something. It's, it's lovely and then it's not. Well, you know those books we all got bought as kids, like, you know, sex education books. Couldn't afford them. So. <laughs> Couldn't afford them. Alex! <laughs> your mum listens to this sometimes, doesn't she? Poor lady. Love you, mum. And thank you for your guidance. Um, stop it! <laughs> stop it! But back to awkwardness. So there's, uh, there's silence around this dis- dinner table. It's not happy home. Yeah. Um, and in fact, it actually made me think of that awkwardness around the dinner table in ET with her. I said there's not a bloke there, but um, she's sort of doing the same thing again. Uh, but there's also an issue with their car and they have to take it to a mechanic six miles out of town where uh, the mechanic shop is owned by a family called the Cambers, who St. Bernard looks adorable but uh, initially, but the ominous music uh, suggests otherwise. And then everyone appears to be ignoring the bloody big gash on his nose. What, what is that? Yeah. It's like no one goes, oh, that looks nasty. That looks that... Yeah, and I think, is it because he sort of doesn't seem to sleep or be in the house maybe? He's sort of like an outside dog, isn't mm. he? Because he sleeps under the house or something like that. That's how I thought that they weren't paying attention to their beloved pets. But isn't there some sort of weird thing here where both families like... The car that sort of breaks down at the end is uh, the vehicle that um, that family have let get decrepit and stuff. And they're preoccupied with their own shit going on and the relationships mm. and, you know, the adultery and all of that. And so this car is just gradually broken down and then they're trapped in it at the end. And in a similar way, like the mechanics family are preoccupied with money and, you know, mm. getting by and making ends meet. And so they're not aware of their dog. So there's a correlation there between uh, yep. Cujo and the car. Yep, I like it, right? Alex. I like it. Good spot. Uh, you mentioned it. There's a subplot involving uh, the cereal that Vic markets making kids pee and puke red <laughs> I dye. I didn't get any of this. Yeah, I, too much information. Well, first of all, mm. because the cereal, all I could hear was it going, Sharps, Sharps. I was mm. like, so there's something sharp in the yeah, cereal. It's a, it's a bad name, bad isn't it? Bad name for a cereal sharp brand. Cereal. Yeah. And then he's like, oh no, it's just the hoax. It's red dye. So I was like, are people ingesting red dye on purpose or is there red dye in the cereal? They used red dye in the cereal to give it a red colouring oh, and I clearly see. that had had a detrimental effect yeah. on the health of people but it's like why do we need to know this yeah true yep agreed um so and then sort of it's a bit of moving pieces of puzzle around the board so donna breaks up with steve because she made a stupid mistake and has a terrific husband and kid but vic sees them arguing outside the house the camber family are arguing and as alex said that's why they don't notice that St. bernard has become um sensitive to loud noises and his face is covered in glue Ooh, uh, yep. <laughs> so the Camber family go away for a few days leaving their dad at home Vic goes away for a few days leaving Donna and Tad at home uh, with the broken Ford Pinto and now Cujo looks fucked um, there's bloody and gooey and he's foaming at the mouth I, th- I said he's kind of like us the morning after our live show. Yeah, not far <laughs> off. One of my eyes was weeping pus. Uh, so we're coming to the end of the first half of the film. Uh, what do you make of, of this movie kicking off with all this domestic drama? I don't like it, if I'm honest. Yeah. Like, I want more of the dog. Mm. And we don't get to a dog eating someone until too late in the day. And then that's fine. I was, I, so I parked that and I was like, okay, it's a relationship drama. But there's no fireworks. There's no... It's just, it's a very realistic. But like when Vic sees the affair and he's like, oh my God, I can see topless Steve and my wife. And he's going to drive and confront them. Oh, they've gone. <laughs> that's boring. Mm, mm. It's, um, I mean, we'll get onto it in, in the change in a little more detail. But to me, it's like this movie... It's just it needs to be it needs to be streamlined. Mm. It needs to be the movie that the the poster 
sold me, which is the idea of this dog wandering around, offing people and a yeah. group of people trying to work out what's going on, who could have done this, what could have done this, and then tracking it down. And then we have the climax, not unlike Jaws on the Orca, but with them in the car. Well, interesting, they did actually streamline it. So audiences, when they tested the movie, were mildly interested in the first half and very interested in the second half. So the studio suggested cutting some of the first half. But what they found was audience interest in the first half remained the same, but audience interest in the second half dipped when you had less of this setting up of these relationships. So they ended up putting the, 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 that no. stuff back in. So that's, uh, that's audience testing for you. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think you can do it. I don't think you could like, do it afterwards. I think you'd have to have done it from the start. I think, I think that makes sense because I think if you went back and tried to alter what you had to try and make it more streamlined, it wouldn't work. I think from day one, the script should have been very different and, uh, and more about this fucking dog. More, more trombone. Surely. Mm. A lot more trombone, yeah. Mm. I think the fact that Steve doesn't use the trombone again to defend himself against Cujo <laughs> is a missed opportunity. And now we're into the second half of the it movie. It my loud noises. <laughs> He's backing off. Go, Steve. <laughs> we're into the doggy drama. So Cujo goes after his first victim, which is uh, Joe Camber's uh, drinking buddy, Gary, who is making loud noises with his beer cans. Um and evidently, although it's not really explained, it's more in the book. The, these these loud noise, it's loud noises are hurting Cujo's ears. That's what the not, rabies yeah, is doing. I didn't know that about rabies. I thought he just hated phones, yeah. and that was oh, he was going to use the phone perhaps. Uh, and I thought he just went after Gary because Gary was just this like dirty bloke that he didn't yeah. quite like. I didn't get it about the noises. Yeah. He seems like the right person to go first because sure. him and, uh, is it Campbell, the mechanic? Uh, yeah, Joe Camber. Joe yeah. Camber, they were planning a filthy weekend they away, were, weren't yeah. they? So if you're a filthy person in a slasher movie, dog or otherwise. On that point, his full character name, you know, I like this. It's, it's probably pronounced differently, but just to make me laugh, it's pervier. <laughs> <laughs> None too subtle. Uh, so Cujo kills him with a bite to the neck. Um and Joe Camber finds him and gets killed himself. Yeah, but this is, like Vicky said, this is 40 minutes in before we get our first death, which is quite a long time to wait when you're watching a killer dog movie. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Could you just take that note, please? Sorry. <laughs> I just didn't see you write it down or anything. It's, sort it's of like weird, you... isn't it? It's like he wasn't bothered. Yeah. But it's actually really important, Chris. Yeah. So if you could... I thought... Yeah, no, I just thought you had made that mm. point. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was all. Sometimes emphasis is useful. Other times it's not, as we learned. Agreed. Uh, so these deaths happen just as Donna and Tad's car conks out as they arrive at the mechanic's home. And so they're stuck there. They're isolated, they're alone, and they're now trapped as Cujo attacks. He tries to get through the window, but Donna manages to close it. He runs around the other side, but she gets the door closed. And Tad loses his shit. He was right about monsters all along. He really loses it. Like, he seems genuinely hysterical. Yeah. Here. He's like usual like child actoriness, which is which is really unfair on child actors, but it's a tends to be a mix of like really compelling, you can't believe they can do it, and just quite grating. And they're basically there's a lot of child actors like that. And then he's in the car and you're like, bloody hell, Tad. Like you look genuinely scared to the point where you're a bit worried about. That little boy. Yeah. Uh, he's played by a lad called Danny uh, Pintaro. And um, he's on the, the Blu-ray that I bought, interviewed sort of present day. I mean, he says, I don't, who knows how much he can remember. He said he had the best time on this film. He was never scared for a second. It made him love dogs even more. <laughs> and it was just the best experience of his life. So he's certainly not been 
scarred mentally in any yeah. way. Mm. But but Dee Wallace said that she woke up every day and thanked God that they cast him. She said he was the best child actor she'd ever worked with, which is kind of a big deal when you think she'd work with Henry oh, Thomas yeah. and Andrew Barrymore. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, but um, so Cujo jumps on the front of the car and starts pouring the windshield. Uh, then he takes a break and stares at them um, with what looks like the inside of a Cadbury's cream egg streaming out of his eyes. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> They will no longer be a sponsor. <laughs> Sorry, Cadbury's. I'm a big fan of your eggs. Uh, a short spell later, the car starts and she drives off, but not before saying, fuck you, dog. But in uh, front of her child, which I think as a character not doesn't quite work for her. No. Like, she's very protective. Yeah. She didn't drop an F-bomb in front of Tad. Well, when's, is, is this the sequence where... Little Tad is like, I want my daddy. No, no, this is that's later. Okay, that's later. We're getting Doesn't there. Doesn't he say in this bit, I wish that dog would die, or did I mishear that? As because... <laughs> that's just going round in your head every day. <laughs> oh, I wish that dog would die. <laughs> uh, so she swore on the dog, which was a mistake, because the car then conks out again. Of course it does. And uh, night falls, uh, just as the phone rings and drives Cujo crazy. So this phone, that's a recurring motif, that the, the phone drives him nuts. Uh, the sun sets, they go to sleep. The sun rises, they wake up, and Cujo is at their door. Uh, they decide to wait for the postman while they're cooking in the car, but cut to post office and the mailman is holding their post until notified. Um, the phone freaks Cujo out again um, and then he starts running and headbutting the car. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, that's Gary Morgan in a dog outfit. I'll post the picture of him with the dog head off because it's quite funny. Um, he smashes the car window with his paws. He bites the door handle off. He climbs on top of the car and, and then he chills when the ring stops. And it's Vic that's ringing home. So little does Vic realise is that he might cause the death of his wife and child with his phone calls, which I quite like. Um why would, wait? Because they're at the farm though. At the point is he ringing the farm? I think yes. he gets desperate, yeah, because they're uh, they're not picking up at home, so he tries oh, yeah, all yeah, around. Okay, okay, okay. Um, uh, I, I, oh no, no, he's he's phoning the home phone because ironically, Donna not answering the phone makes him think that the affair's still up. That's right. Sorry, oh, yeah. that's what happens. That's my mistake. Um, so Vic runs out on the serial account and heads home. That pointless subplot. <laughs> that goes on forever. Where he's, he's mate, he's like, "You can't do this to me. You can't." He's like, "But I am going to." <laughs> yeah, and it's it's very strange because they're like, "We've lost the account. We've and lost the like, sharps account." Like, but you were the advertising company. It's yeah. not your fault, really. It was this. I, I got really hung up on the fact that. Yeah, I got it's, confused. By it's that. the serial company that were at fault by making a bad serial. Yeah, and they seem to be back into pitch again. Losing the account is like, right, you're fired. We don't want another pitch. Like you had your shot with this weird, creepy professor who poisons children. <laughs> yeah. we don't want any more from you. Yeah. Um. So back to the car. Donna can't see Kojo, so lets herself out of the car, but little does she realise he's under the car. And um, Lewis Teague that's, says that's what Jan de Bont brought to proceedings, was this sense of misdirection. Um, he kept the camera moving, and so you were made to think Kujo would attack from one side and Kujo attacks from a different direction. Um, and so she suspects he's under the car. She takes a look and he's behind her. Uh, Cujo goes for Donna. She fights him off. Or they end up struggling inside the car. Um, uh, and he, he leaves, but not before taking a chunk out of her leg. Which doesn't actually give you rabies a lot of the time, apparently. Well, I checked this because I was like, surely she's now going to yeah, have to. And you are meant to seek medical attention, but actually just being bitten by a rabid animal doesn't necessarily mean you get rabies yourself. I didn't know. She, I didn't in know the book, either. she gets treated for it afterwards. Okay. Uh, she gets whatever medication you need to make sure you don't get rabies. But obviously the ending's different here. Um, and then we get this shot where we are swinging around the inside of the car. And so Jan de Bourne, uh, Jan de Bont bought several cheap Ford Pinto so that he could cut 
cut around them and inside them and get in all the nooks and crannies. So for that, he cut the top out of the car, stuck the camera in the end of a pole and spun it round. And it's a really effective scene mm, it is. of them yeah, all screaming it? in the car. And I was sitting there thinking, how the hell did they do that? But it, I guess It's that like that incredible sense. shot. Do you know the one in uh, Children of Men where Alfonso mm. Cuaron does a similar thing where the camera just sort of, it's like, where? how is the camera in this shot? It keeps circling all the passengers in the car. Yeah. It's like an early version of that. Yep, yep, yep. Um, she starts praying to God to get them out of there because Cujo isn't the only danger now. There's heat stroke and dehydration that could do them in, uh, which is ironic as they were freezing cold when they were shooting this film. So they were going through absolutely the opposite of what you're seeing on screen. Uh, in fact, it was so cold that Jan de Bont would put, he'd put flames in front of the camera to create a sense of heat rising. Um, so the next morning, Tad is struggling to breathe. So now we've got this escalation happening as, as he seems to be having a seizure. So uh, Donna has no choice but to take him inside. What would you do in this situation, Victoria? I was thinking this as I was watching it because I'm like, well, I don't have a kid and I quite like dogs. But... I mean, the thing is, right, so A, they, as mother and son, they're quite exemplary because they get on really well considering they're stuck in a car together and they haven't even got an iPad or anything. Mm. Like, that's amazing. That is so, first of all, the situation you... would be brought to a head within about 45 minutes because I'd be like, I can't be in this car with you anymore because <laughs> you're take, driving me fucking I'll take insane. my chances yeah. with the dog. Yeah, 100%. Tad is so good. He's never like, when are we going? What's the plan? Oh, I'm hungry. Can we do this? Can we do... He's just like, chill. Yeah. I'll let it, you know, sit with you, mum, and see what you come up with. But in all seriousness, she, she gets pushed to a point where she's like, right, fuck it. I'm going to do it. And it could have happened a bit sooner because I know the dog is massive, mm. but it feels a bit takeable a little bit. Because wow. it lumbers, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's it doesn't seem a, fast. Yeah, it's yeah. not a fast dog. You do think, I reckon I could outrun that. She goes to get the bat and she basically just fucks it up. Like she wasn't paying attention. She wasn't looking. She could have done a distraction, like thrown some, whatever. Mm. But it doesn't, it feels like there are so many threats that I think oh, I couldn't deal with, you know, in this sort of, like when we watch The Shallows, I can't kick a shark in the face or whatever. You'd love to, but you can't. But I can't. No. And so the St. Bernard, obviously it's false and obviously it would bite the shit out of me. But I feel like in that situation, if the child was really poorly, two days prior I'd been like right fuck it let's have a go okay. well this is going to be fun then uh, when we get to the end of the film I'll tell you what happened to a stunt woman on the set oh, of this no. film yeah. oh no uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but do you think they should have chosen a different dog I do yeah but I didn't realise do you the book think was they should written... have taken Hooch from Turner and Hooch and put it in <laughs> that this is such movie such a scary dog I didn't realise the... I thought this is such a false memory the book was written about what we think of as a very dangerous big dog whether or not oh no there's no you know it's dangerous owners and whatever but I didn't realise the book was a St. Bernard. I thought for some reason they just went for a St. Bernard in the film. It was like a weird choice that was a mistake. I can see why they had to do it because it was written about it. But to me, I'm scared of the dogs that I was taught to be scared of when I was little, which is Dorben because I bit you mm. and a German Shepherd. Because Rottweiler, Pitbull. Yeah, Pitbull, stuff mm. like that. Yeah, I, I, it's, it is an interesting one because, I mean, you just... You just, I mean, you don't you don't want to feel, like you said at the start, you don't want to feel sorry for Cujo, but a St. Bernard just looks like, yeah. all the time and so you never really get that sense of like kill that dog yeah apart when it bites her on the leg that's the first time I was like you've got to kill that dog mm. and like, all, but all the rest of it especially at the end I was like I just feel so sorry for you mm. I don't even care about dogs but I did feel sorry for him that's amazing if it got yeah. through to you I know can you imagine wow. 
Uh, Steve, who clearly failed to take that hint from a couple of days earlier, visits uh, their home and sees they aren't home and so runs his hands along the knives. And trashes the fucking place. Uh, trashes cut- the pillows. <laughs> yeah, he slices up the pillows. The bedding, yeah. Steve is a wrong one. He is a wrong one. Well, we, we don't actually see that, but we cut to Vic arriving home and finding the place completely trashed. So he calls the police. They send a cop to the cambers and Cujo attacks, chasing him into the barn, knocking off the rafters and eating him. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, this is when Tad wants his daddy, and this is when Donna loses her shit. All right, I'll get your daddy. <laughs> um, but it's very believable, isn't it? You know that she's at the end of her tether. Um, she's she's tried to be so in control, but you would just, I think, lose your lose your shit at some I, point in this. I'm right. I think there were a lot of questions about that line, weren't there? And and her delivery of it, because there was a point where I think people were concerned that it might make her really unlikable based on what had gone before. And then she screams at her kid about getting the daddy. Yeah. And there was, there were conversations about whether it would work or whether people would go, Oh, hang on a sec. Yeah. In this situation, you're screaming back at your kid. I know things are going on that are out of your control, but. No, I totally, no, I don't think it's too much. You, that's what everybody would do. They would have done it two days before she did it, to be honest. I yeah. think my mum shouted that at me every couple of months. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like you, you have no patience in that situation. I wouldn't. That's not how you do it. Let me show you. Budge <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> up. <laughs> so Vic, to the rescue, uh, Vic races around in his sports car and we're expecting him to save the day, but mercifully Cujo avoids that Hollywood cliche because instead... Donna is done. She's out of the car and she's swinging a bat at the Bernard. And we get the dog POV here because they decided, they, in spite of everything that's happened, we can't see her smacking the dog. Fair enough. Yeah. So um, because Louis Teague feared the audiences wouldn't react well to that reality. So, so it's all happens from the dog's point of view. Mm. Um, the bat breaks and she's left with this big wooden splinter Um, Cujo jumps at her and she stabs him in the stomach impaling him on the splint and then she grabs the gun that's handily nearby Uh, Cujo's dead so she leaves Cujo Uh, but now she can't get in the car and with this primitive scream she smashes the window uh, with the gun and carries Tad into the house where she gets water on him to bring him round because he's um, unconscious at this point Uh, fun fact or not that much fun um that was hot water, not cold water, as he was freezing at the time. Yeah, I mean, we need to talk about Tilly Trivia after this show. I hadn't even put that. I wasn't even going to say that. Mm. You didn't even make it into the section. I am. Um, I just done an anchor man. You just couldn't felt, help it. Just, it was just in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> just reading, aren't you? Sort of not even thinking about what you're saying. Donna resuscitates Tad, and uh, we get more of this melodramatic music, which is good because I kind of learned my guard at that point, and I'm getting annoyed with the music. And then Cujo smashes through the window. That's good. <laughs> uh, the dog attacks, and she shoots him dead uh, just as Steve arrives. And the film ends on a freeze frame of them carrying Tad to safety together. Not Steve. Steve's playing this fucking trombone somewhere, That's isn't Vic. he? It's Vic. It's Vic. Uh, but the family is sort of finally reunited and they they did have an epilogue that they shot but decided it wasn't necessary because the point in the movie was that they were reunited. What was? What, do you know what it was? No. Oh, fine. So the issue of the ending, though, in, in the book... Um, I can't believe this. Donna, having been bitten by Cujo, eventually drives a broken baseball bat through the dog's eye. Wow. Uh, but Tad dies in the car. No! Yeah. No! Yeah. Um, oh, my God! Yeah. Due to dehydration. Yeah. Oh, Donna. Yeah. That's on you, girl. Right? <laughs> Stephen King kills the dog. You know what he says about this, though, doesn't, don't you? Well, th- there's... I mean, people have said different things about this at different times. So, as I said earlier, Stephen King supposedly wrote an adaptation that wasn't used where the boy lived. 
Um, and he said it's the one thing he'd want to change from one of his books was not killing Tad at the end of the book. Mm. But Dee Wallace said she and producer Dan Blatt um, suggested that the boy live to Stephen King and King agreed because he said he never got more hate mail over that death mm. than over that death. But here's how Stephen King remembers it when he spoke to Entertainment Weekly in 2019, which is slightly different. It's more like that second version. So he says, I remember being at the Plaza Hotel in New York and these people from Sun International wanted to make Cujo. I never thought they would make it to begin with, but they made a good picture out of it. We sat around and they looked at each other like, oh, Jesus Christ, we're going to blow this guy's mind. He's probably going to kick us out. They said, what would you think if the boy lived? And I just laughed and I said, if you kill that kid after people sit and go through this experience in the movie for an hour and a half, I think they'd lynch you. So go ahead, see how it works out. So I don't think he did write that ending to his script. He's saying that they came up with it. As for this postscript about injuries, no animals or children were hurt during the making of Cujo. Uh, Dee Wallace was treated for exhaustion and she says she still has to take adrenal supplements because they blew out her adrenals on the movie. Wow. Which is dark. But um, stuntwoman Jean Coulter had a tougher time of it. Uh, She's interviewed on the Blu-ray, as is Dee Wallace, about this incident. But this is what Jean Coulter has to say. Uh, she, she um, She doubled for Dee Wallace. Said, there's only so long you can play with a dog and tease him with a toy. He started clawing on my chest and when I lifted my head, he got my nose. Luckily, I had a thread of skin holding on so they could sew it back on. Oh my God. If they hadn't, I would have lost it totally and they'd just have, I'd just have two holes there. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Dee Wallace seems more chill about that injury. On the DVD, she said, she's fine. They picked up her nose, took her to hospital and she was fine. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Dee. Um, and the only other thing I've got about Cujo is that we nearly got a remake seven years ago. Right. So a company that owns the right uh, to Cujo announced they were making a film called C.U.J.O. <laughs> yeah. With those letters standing for Canine Unit Joint Operations. Cool. <laughs> uh, Do you know any more than that? Because I read that and went, what on earth is this? No, but Dee Wallace was, uh, on, on, this was around the time she was interviewed for this DVD and they asked her about it and she said, good luck with that. It's going to be all CGI and they ain't going to be the same thing. Mm. So, and it never happened. So, uh, and it's true though. I think I think the combination that they used with the mechanical man in suit, the several dogs. I think it works. Yeah, I do. Probably more than if a CG version now was happening, and I was sort of taken out of it. I think. Yeah, I was able to spend my disbelief enough. That's why this it's movie. a shame because when you do get you know a rabid dog, you're like that is scary and that is good, and I wish we'd start. Mm. You know, ten minutes in, I wish we had that. You don't need CG. All you need is a Cadbury's cream egg. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Stop saying that it. Chocolatey yolk down a dog's face, and you are like, that is a bad dog. <laughs> so you ready to do the bits? Yeah. Sure. Uh, what's your favourite scene, Alex? The bat cave at the start. I just love the way it's shot. I love the way the dog's head goes in. I love the fact that the bats are like, Aah! and then it's like the chunk out of its nose. I just love that whole opening, and um, I love the way it's shot, and I love the dog's head just like you're like, oh, you poor thing, you just want that rabbit. It's like, roo, 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 roo. and then the bat. It's great. Yeah, Vicky. Uh, Donna getting eaten in front of her terrified child because I didn't actually think I thought she might die like for the first time mm. I thought that someone that you cared about might actually die in this film um, and it is really sad for Tad that all these worst nightmares are coming true in front of him mm. so it's very powerful really poor Tad I know uh, I like it when Cujo starts headbutting the car uh, I wanted to know how they did that so what they did was you, it's shot from the side and they took the doors out of the car so the dog could run at the car and jump at it and, and run all the way through. 
but they cut just as he hits it and then oh, they cut to the fun. mechanical so yeah the dog looks like it because I was thinking how that, that dog is running at that door but there's no door there that's clever um, so yeah just because it made me think oh shit this is on now uh, MVW most valuable ever uh, Vicky D Wallace as Donna just because of what goes on in the car and because the St Bernard is cute even though it looks disgusting it falls to her to make me believe that that dog is as malevolent as I want it to be in order for this to be a proper horror film and that does work the way that she does that Agreed. I'm going for her as well. Um, she says it's her best performance. And Stephen um, King said she should have got an Oscar for her performance in this. He loved it. It's 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 really truthful. And she said that she was. I think she studied psychology. She said when she was at college, and so she said that she was really trying to look after that boy all the way through. And I think he, she, she someone needed to do that, and yeah. it worked because he's he's grown up to be a very nice young man. Alex, uh, I, I, I kept meaning to look up his name, but I haven't. The guy who basically trained St Bernard's from scratch after being told that they weren't allowed to use any other dog and he had to say there are no trained St Bernard's on the planet and he had to start from scratch and train those dogs to do what they did so I, I think he deserves somebody Miller I can't remember his first yeah. name but he deserves So can it. they not rescue you from an avalanche then? Or do they do it just because they want to not because they're told to? Uh, they do it because they want to yeah they're... Really? Mm, yeah yeah okay. they're just sort of like uh oh sounds like trouble Something's happened There's been an avalanche Yeah <laughs> Okay yeah, no, he deserves to be remembered, um, especially his name. Mm. Uh, and if you could Mr. change... Mr. Miller. <laughs> <laughs> if you could change anything, Alex, what would you change? Um, so I think by the rules of horror uh, in a horror movie, uh, especially after he trashes their house, Steve needs to die. Mm. Steve needs to Steve Good needs point. to be one of the victims of, of Cujo. He needs to be trying to batter it with his trombone and then the dog's like knocks it out of his hand and Steve gets it. But also, it's interesting. If you've ever read the Jaws book, there is a lot of similarities with what happens at the start of this film in the Jaws book, which is Brody, uh, Ellen Brody has an affair with Hooper, and then Chief Brody finds out, and there's a lot of this sort of uh, like this pot boiler stuff going on on Amity Island. And Stephen King, King right, uh, Stephen Spielberg, quite rightly went, no, get rid of all of that and make it about the shark and this killer shark. And I just think they should have done the same thing here and gone, <laughs> let's lose all of that cheating and wife stuff, all of that business, and let's focus on this dog, this killer dog stalking a town. Now, obviously, it might not work quite as well because, you know, there'd be things that you'd have to do because it's a dog, a big St. Bernard, but I do think it needs to... You know, 40 minutes in before the dog actually goes, right, here I go. It's just too long for me. Vicky? Two things. One really little thing. When Donna kills Cujo, she initially whacks him with a bat, then stabs him with a stick and then shoots him. I think she should shoot him first because that seems, like would seem easier to me who's never shot anyone, but seems a bit more less um, gory and maybe easier to do if you've never done that sort of thing. Then when he's in the kitchen and he comes bursting through, that's when she's like, fine, fuck it. And then she stabs him because that's her like really getting down to business kind of thing or um don't kill the dog uh i don't know uh i don't know about that but or tad has a moment of victory because this thing about the monsters is never tied up so the monster he's scared of monsters kujo's the monster he should assist in the victory in some way so he gets a little moment where he's realized he's not scared of monsters anymore or the last scene the epilogue that we don't know what happened they get a St. Bernard's puppy. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. little St. Bernard's puppy and Tad's like hugging it and he's all like, I'm not scared. I'm not scared anymore. I'm not scared There's quite a lot of additional material at the end of the book and the Cambers get a new car, a new car, a new a new dog. Oh, do they? Because yeah. I did think about that because yeah. the poor Camber kid 
He's like, this is Cujo. I love Cujo. He's my dog. And then he goes off with his mum. And by the time he gets back, his dog is dead. And we never find out what happened to him. Donna has completed her treatment for rabies and her marriage to Vic survives. Uh, Charity gives Brett a new vaccinated puppy named Willie. Um, uh, And the the, the postscript says that the hole Cujo chased the rabbit into was not discovered. It also reminds the reader that Cujo was a good dog who always tried to keep his owners happy, but the ravage of rabies drove him to violence. Wow. Uh, My change is, if your cereal makes kids pee and puke red dye, I think the film misses a trick not having a scene where kids all over America look like they're coughing up blood, (laughs) which is, I'm sure, how it plays out in the book. I don't know, but I'm sure. But, you know, kids coughing up blood in the park, at school, while swimming, everywhere. I think that'd be a very fun sequence. (laughs) But again... (laughs) Completely irrelevant to swimming. the rest of the movie. Yeah, swimming. It would be good. See? Because it would mix gross. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's just a bit of fun. Just a, bit of, a literal bit of colour. Oh. <laughs> right, should we do a quiz? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Okay, this quiz is called Cat, Dog or Something Else. Okay. Got you. So, and I'll tell you there's something else. So these are multiple choice this week. Interesting. Uh, so, what is a Turkish Angora? Is a Turkish Angora a cat, a dog, or a scarf? It's a scarf. <laughs> yeah, I'm going with scarf. It's a cat. Oh, <laughs> what is a Cornish Rex? Is a Cornish Rex a cat, a dog, or one of J.K. Rowling's Fantastic Beasts? It's, uh, a, it's dog. a dog. It's a cat. Oh, <laughs> I spent a lot of time working on these. This is working. <laughs> what is a mouchette? Is a mouchette a cat, a dog, or a French film? A dog. A cat. It's a French film. (laughs) Uh, Robert Breston from 1967 about a poor peasant girl. Uh, What is a chicharito? Dog. Is it it a cat, a dog or a footballer? You're saying dog, Vicky? I'm saying dog as well. It's a footballer. (laughs) What is a clootie? Is a clootie a cat, a dog or a dumpling? A dumpling. A dumpling? It's a dumpling. Yay! God. <laughs> uh, what is a snowshoe? Is a snowshoe a cat, a dog, or a flower? It's a flower. It's a dog. It's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. It's a draw. You got one each. Uh, oh so God. we'll have a, tambra- a tiebreaker. Oh, no. Um, how many standalone novels has Stephen King published to date? So this number does not include collections or non-fiction books, but does include his Richard Bachman books. So how many novels has Stephen King published? Um, Alex, you go first. Oh, why do I have to go first? Because I need the win. Vicky will just do that thing where she goes, all right, fine. Which I learned from you. Yes, yes. you I taught know. her. I you know. taught her badly. Um, he has published 45. 45. 44. <laughs> you made a mistake there, Vicky. Oh it's 63. Yes! Well played, Alex. Yes! Uh, well over one a year, which is incredible, really, when he's doing them himself. You know, no one's helping him out with them. What a genius. So, wait, I'm confused. Who won? Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I really meant that. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right, fantastic. That was a great quiz, Chris. Love that quiz this week. Really, really good. Really good quiz. A lot of fun. You only got one. <laughs> I, I got one. And I won. (laughs) Right then, Uh, next week, uh, let's look ahead to next week. It is uh, the climax of King versus King, our Halloween countdown, our final pairing. It is my choice, and here is the clue. There will be an obligatory mention. 
<laughs> that is your clue for next week. There will be an obligatory mention. I was going to suggest anyone order a curry. <laughs> Come on, at least pretend. Right. Uh, before then, though, we are going to be back on Thursday talking Pet Cemetery from 1989. Just in case you haven't watched it yet, give it a watch. Not the new one, the original. So please subscribe in the meantime. Rate and indeed review us if you've got the time. It's a great help. And do check in with us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. Speak to you Thursday. Bye-bye. This was a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.